<laughs> You're listening to the one of us.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at two, five, ten, or twenty-five dollars and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hey, everybody. Welcome to One of Us, where we power our entire website off of your laughter. We think. We're not really sure. I'm not really good at the science Chris Cox assures me that people laugh at this stuff. I don't know if they're laughing with us or at us, but apparently, either way, it generates electricity. And that's as good a business model as one could have for the utility industry. Not that we in Texas would know anything about that, because, you know, our electrical grid just keeps crashing. But that's neither here nor there. My name is Marco. I am here today, joined by Spider Mike. Howdy, howdy. And Maulina, or I should say, Melina. Hello. I like the way that she spells her name, Maulina. Very on brand, very in keeping with today's topic, which is the brand new Pixar animated TV series from Disney Plus, Monsters at Work. It is a sequel to the original Pixar film, Monsters, Inc. Now, if you know anything about the original Monsters, Inc., you know that they generate electricity for Monstropolis by scaring the children of the world. But by the end of the film, they realize that actually the power of laughter is greater than fear. My personal experience says that's not true, but it's a kid show, and we don't want to traumatize them. <laughs> by the end of the movie, they decide to convert power from screams to laughs. It's a wonderful, beautiful, simple, and elegant concept. So simple and elegant that afterwards I thought, there's really nowhere else to go with this narrative. And apparently Pixar agreed because the next sequel was actually a prequel. How do you actually continue Monsters, Inc. after they realize, eh, we're not going to do fear anymore, we're going to go with laughs? Well, believe it or not, they actually figured out a way to continue the story of Monsters, Inc. by literally starting the day after Monsters, Inc. ended. Monsters, Inc. has completely changed their business model. Now they are collecting laughs instead of fear, and they're retraining all of their staff. But not everybody's necessarily ready to make this change or even aware that the change is happening. And that's where we start with Monsters at Work, which centers around a monster named Tyler. Tyler is the top scarer in his class. He's graduated from Monsters University. He expects to be the greatest new scarer on the floor. Unfortunately, it turns out his job no longer exists. And because he's not particularly funny, he is assigned to MIFT which is the Monsters Incorporated Facilities Team. Basically, the maintenance men and janitors of Monsters Incorporated. And that's what the story revolves around. Tyler just trying to come to terms with this new reality, this new workplace environment, and the particularly odd characters that he has to work with. I had a good time with this. I don't think it's particularly fresh or novel, but it's a fun way to keep the uh, Monsters, Inc. brand going. And... 
Honestly, it's as good an idea as any as I've heard as to how to continue this story. What did you guys think? Uh, yeah, I remember I didn't even really know exactly what this was going to be about. There was no trailer when we first got the go-ahead to review this, but I think I was about 10 or 11 when the original movie came out, and I loved it so much. It's still one of my favorite Pixar movies. So I was like, I want to be in on this, and hopefully it can kind of hold a candle to the original source material. I'm not going to say that I think it's as good as that. I don't think it quite gets to that level that the original movie did, but I think in terms of actually making not just a sequel, but a sequel spin-off interquel that's not a movie but a TV show, I think they did a much better job than I was expecting. I actually completely agree with that because the thing is that when they first announced it, I was kind of worried about it because, yeah, like like you were saying, Marco, the ending of the film was kind of just the the end kind of like like the only way to go from the actual original ending involves something that i would love to see one day but i don't think will ever happen which is the thing with boo but the um yeah this takes place not only uh, right after it takes place directly after they first finish their little adventure and then it takes place just before the final last chunk of the the movie which is like the last five minutes i guess where Mike has the magazine. He's like, oh, I'm on a magazine cover. Like, that scene is literally in this this show, which I thought was amazing. It's pretty good, but it's not ev- it's not the best of the, th- of the three things that are out there. Because e- even the prequel, I think, is a better movie than the first one was. Because the prequel shows how important everything was to Mike and Sully and how important scarers were to the entire, like, their entire hierarchy. And then the second one, or the the second one, but the original movie is very much like, well, this is what's going on. Here's the stuff. And then this is just, this is about like, well, where do we go from here? Like, this is a whole new source of power. Tyler Tuskman was like, was such a good scarer. He was scarier than John Goodman's character or Sully. So when he gets there, it's like, it's, yeah, he's like, oh, fuck. What about, what do I do? Like, <laughs> like my entire, everybody, like everything I've ever been trained to do is, is useless now. And so now he has to deal with Henry Winkler being this yeah. crazy person who's just like, oh, let's talk about all the weird shit. And then like, and then Duncan, who's played by um, Lucas Neff, who is just slimy in a weird, like, I don't even know in a terrible way. He's just kind of, oh, he's a crazy person. He's Dwight Schrute-ish. Yeah, he's like, if Dwight Schrute was, was even crazier than Dwight Schrute was, if that makes sense, kind of thing. Like, he's constantly just like, I want... I want Henry Winkler's job constantly. And that's like the height of his ambition. <laughs> yeah, then there's Cutter, who's constantly talking about every employee that used to work with them and the violent ways they've died. <laughs> <laughs> Which constantly was killing me, constantly. Because they're just be like, oh, that person, yeah, he went to the, the door shredder and he just got fucking sucked into that thing. God bless him. So I got a lock of his hair over here if you want to fucking smell it. Yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> like, just, like, constantly will bring up stuff like that. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> And then there's Val Little, played by uh, Mindy Kaling, who was Tyler's old college mate, kind of kind of thing because you find you find out as as it progresses that he's like i only talk to you like maybe a couple of times she and all the rest of this crew really really take this guy to town when it comes to like having to now understand their job and in the, while in the meantime he's trying to learn from mike to be a comedian even though mike kind of barely knows how to be a comedian <laughs> 
which was my favorite part. Now it is Billy Crystal. So. Yeah, it's still Billy Crystal. But that was one of my favorite parts was the fact that they got everybody. They got everybody back yeah. for this thing. Although John Goodman is definitely much, much older because you can his voice is like is is not nearly as like energetic as the first movie was or even the prequel yeah. was. Yeah, the, the the aging of the voices is something that you kind of have to forgive. Not not forgive, but you just kind of have to. You yeah, just kind of have, have to accept to. that there's just no way around it and just go from there. Well, it's like any it's like any sequel to anything that takes place way after the fact because you have to accept that you have to accept that Harrison Ford is like seventy years old and still wants to be Indiana Jones. Do we, Mike? Do we need to accept that? I'm not sure I do. Yeah, unfortunately. <sighs> unfortunately, he's not animated like John Goodman is, so it's easier to deal with with John Goodman. Right. But um, but yeah, yeah. John Goodman didn't break his leg or crash his plane while making this cartoon. But that we know of. That we know of. I do enjoy the fact that they they got ahead of the fact that they're lazy with some of their character design <laughs> because there's a there's a literal gag where they're talking about Roz and Roz's sister. Or they're like, you guys look exactly the same. There's no way that would ever happen again. And then Gabriel Iglesias' character shows up that is just a black Mike Wazowski. And it's just like, oh, what was his name again? It was... Um, Gary. Gary. How could and you forget? Just, because that's how he delivers it every single time he says that's it. That's <laughs> true. And it's just like, it's just kind of random. But like, I, it, it, I appreciated the fact that they got ahead of it. But I also appreciated the fact that they, they tied up a lot of loose ends from Monsters Incorporated itself. Like they tied my favorite loose end they tied in was uh, what happened to the abominable snowman. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, because it's a Pixar joint, so John Ratzenberger has to make an appearance. He at makes least two appearances. One. Yeah, I was gonna say. Now the rule is he has to do at least one per property, and Absolutely. I am fine with that. It's actually a really smart move. That yes, they did bring everybody back. Yes, you have. Billy Crystal, you have John Goodman, Bonnie Hunt, John Ratzenberger, Jennifer Tilly. It's great to have them back, but they don't focus the story on them. It's this kind of like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern or Star Trek Lower Decks approach, which is, here's your main characters. They're here. They're off doing stuff, but we're actually going to center our narrative around the folks who work behind the scenes and never get any glory. And of course, that's exactly what happens to Tyler. We're kind of making it sound like it's a big narrative. It's not. This is a workplace comedy. These are ten episodes. There is an arc that happens over the course of the season, but a lot of it is just Tyler learning the same lesson over and over again. Uh, most of the Mifters take to him very well. Uh, they're happy to see have him there, uh, except for Duncan, of course, who is convinced everybody's trying to get his job. And then Fritz, the Henry Winkler character, who's really clingy and just kind of scared of seeing Tyler even go, which is one of my problems with the show. Uh, at 10 episodes that are about 20 minutes each, there's a fairly simple story that's been spread out over several episodes, I think this could have been a really tight 90-minute movie. Instead, we have single episodes, which usually focuses on an adventure. There's some little lesson to be learned, which usually involves Tyler just realizing, hey, there's value in work, no matter what work it is. There's no shame in doing what we do. The Mifters actually turn out to be very important uh, for running Monsters, Inc. They couldn't do it without them. However, he continues to try to get away from them and they keep trying to find ways to kind of low-key guilt him back in. 
and at halfway through the series, I was like, isn't it kind of weird that this guy has a dream and all of his co-workers are just trying to, like, not shit on it, but almost try to, like, guilt him yeah. into not following his heart? That felt weird to me. That actually was kind of an initial criticism that I had. And I think that was partly because I agreed that the fact that they decided to make this not a sh- not just a show, but a 10-episode show, I don't think some of these storylines need to be here. Some of these feel like they're padding. As a result of that, I was thinking, I don't know how endeared I am to these characters because I don't really know how much I agree with their kind of clinging on to him. But then I realized that's because the character of Fritz, he's like, he's like this big cuddly character, but he's also played by the eternally lovable Henry Winkler. He just is one of those guys who he's been there for a long time. And no matter who comes through his door, he sees them as family. Over time, over the course of the show, when I felt that it was really finding its groove and I thought it was really finding its center, suddenly it kind of forces you to take what I think was intentionally the way you were supposed to look at him and kind of reassess it a little bit to where it's like, this guy's not a, this guy's not a clingy, you know, dumbass. He just is one of those guys who he's very accepting and very happy and content with where he is. All he really cares about is making sure that everybody who comes into his little domain feels welcome because to him, you're family. And that I thought was Pixar working its magic where it made you think about something in a way that you didn't expect to look at it and actually make you buy it completely in the end. Yeah, I um, I never saw the Mifters as like them guilting him into anything. He just kept making terrible decisions, <laughs> and then getting caught on them. True, is really what it came down to. Because there's there's um uh, the episode with Gary, for instance, involves a bowling team, and so he's just like, well, I'm gonna volunteer this entire team for that I that say they play the game, but I've never seen them play. So this is there's no way this could go wrong, and then of course it goes fucking pretty much almost horribly wrong, and then he tries to 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 tiptoe back on it in like almost not a douchey way but like in a way where he just he just wants to lie and then he gets caught on that too and like and every time he's just like well i have to be honest with you guys and that's the thing is they never felt like they're trying to stop him from doing what he wants he feels more like he's he's overreaching to the point where he's almost stopping himself constantly and yeah you're right about fritz when fritz first shows up you're like well fritz is kind of really cleanly but it's just yeah, it just comes down to the fact that he wants everybody who's with him to enjoy their time there because according to cutter at any moment they could die a horrible horrible death <laughs> and they probably will statistically from what we learn if anybody's clingy it's it's val honestly but even then you find out why she is kind of thing and that's one of the best scenes in the show when she finally opens up everyone has their moment for the most part I want to say except for Cutter, but honestly, that Cutter, everything that Cutter does is kind of her moment, and that's kind of why I love her. <laughs> yeah, she, she is a seed stealer. That's actually one of the things that I really love about this. I like that this is a show. It allows them to round these characters out in a way that would be really difficult in a movie without it becoming distracting or taking too much away from the main character's plot. And if you have 10 episodes, you have time to do that. At the end, I was thinking about it, and I was like, they didn't all just get a moment. They actually all got an arc. And I want to say that she definitely has one too, except I can't say what it is without spoiling it. Yeah, they all have a specific arc, and if we said anything about it, it would spoil their arc, is really what it comes down to. Yeah, and one thing I did appreciate about the show is that because it is 10 episodes, like any kind of sitcom, there's a format. You have your episode, 
there's a little sequence at the end, which Mike Wazowski's comedy school, which is like a little two minute skit of Mike trying to teach the other monsters how to tell jokes. And of course, he's terrible at it. And then you get the credits. Each episode is a different arrangement of Randy Newman's classic Monsters, Inc. themes. Composer Dominic Lewis deserves a lot of credit because I realized after a few episodes in, every single end credit is a different arrangement of the Monsters, Inc. theme, and then halfway through, there's a different composition. They didn't have to do that. They could have easily recycled it. Visually, they're utilizing a lot of unused concept art from the original Monsters, Inc., Everything, look, Disney is no stranger to doing cheap, quickie, sort of direct-to-video animation. They've done that before, but this doesn't feel like a cheap money grab. There's a lot of love and care. And frankly, Mike had said it earlier, when before we even started the review, that they went above and beyond, and they didn't need to. None of us expected this to be quite as good as it turned out to be. I still have my issues with it. But the world is so beautifully designed. The character models are so good, even though it's a very sort of simplified design aesthetic, but it's still captivating. And if you go to the end of the uh, credits, you get a little vocal stinger at the end. It's just kind of nice and repetitive in that way. I just think that maybe they didn't need a whole 10 episodes. And I would agree with that. If I had a major criticism about this, it would be the fact that it was very obvious when it felt like they were trying to kind of stall for time. And it's like, okay, well, there's there's whole arcs in here that I feel like didn't really need to be there. I feel like as a result, they didn't really put as much care into the joke building and the humor. There are definitely points where I felt like the humor in this fell flat. And I think they decided, well... It's not strong, but if we just keep throwing it at the wall, then that will be enough. And I was like, now it just comes across as manic and I really need for this to calm down because it's kind of bordering on obnoxious. And I actually didn't love this until about, I think, five episodes in. Fifth episode, I thought, was the one where they actually started caring about really developing these characters. They committed to the jokes because they slowed it down and really polished the material. And then by the sixth episode, I thought that they had fully found their groove, and I was pretty much with it from there all the way to the end. Melina, why don't you just go ahead and start uh, rolling into your final thoughts, please? Sure. Um, well, like I said, I when I first got into this, I, I knew I wanted to watch it regardless of whether or not it turned out to be any good, because I'm just that in love with the original source material. I love Pixar. Even at their weakest, I think that they do... They, you know, they, they find some good things here and there. Even with Cars, Cars still has its moments. With this, I was a little afraid at the beginning because I didn't think the jokes were landing very well. I didn't like the fact that it was being overly manic. And I thought as a result, it wasn't as smart. It felt like, okay, they're catering too much to the kids who are going to like the pretty colors and the loud noises, but there's really nothing here for adults. But then eventually I thought it found it. And once they did, I was like, this is the Pixar that I know and love. It's here. It's got that magic. It makes you not just laugh, but it really makes you feel. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I actually kind of almost broke down and cried once or twice while watching this. The only other big criticism I have is I thought the main character, just his flustery, sort of overly nervous attitude started to wear a little thin for me. It was almost like he was playing Ben Stiller, which if you look at the voice actor, Ben Feldman, he kind of is a little Ben Stiller. That aside, I was like, you know, I do like this character. I like it more. I like him more as it's going along. I love all of these characters more as it goes along. And where it ends, I thought 
was a beautiful message that I was not expecting them to tell. And I thought, wow, this so beautifully weaves itself into the original film. At the end, I was like, yeah, I would absolutely recommend this. And I will rewatch this very happily. I am going to give this four out of five Andy Gorehall paintings, which I kind of want. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that was one of my favorite gags was the paintings of, of Mike just being like, I get this one. And then like he looks at another one. And he's like, I don't like that one. And, <laughs> and like if I say why, like it ruins the joke. But like the, the second it happened, I couldn't stop fucking laughing. Mike? I really like the show. I, I get the criticisms about the fact that there's some stuff that is starts that isn't really flushed out. Because a lot of them are sitcom-y type little plots that happen in the middle of it. Um, and some of them don't involve Mift at all, for the most part. Like, some of them, it's like, you could, probably could have just left that out, and it probably wouldn't have changed anything, for the most part. One of my only other criticisms is that there's sometimes a, a character's introduced that I just feel like they weren't used a lot. One of the weirdest ones for me is uh, Tyler's mom, played by Aisha, Aisha Taylor, uh, Millie. She shows up, I think, at the end of the second one or beginning of the second one, and then you never see her again. <laughs> and even even Tyler's dad's used as a quick gag. You're like, well, I kind of would like to know more about those two. And they're like, well, don't worry about it. And just sort of like leaves it alone. You're like, okay, I guess. Yeah, I, I think this show is really good for the most part. Like I said, I was expecting kind of not a train wreck because... There's enough to it where it's definitely for kids in some ways, but there's a lot of it where it's definitely for adults at the same time, and I think that's what really works for it. Just not as much as I think as the movies, but I don't. But I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think this is a great companion piece to the movies. If you really like that the series, I think you should absolutely watch this. If you ever feel like just going through the whole thing, like watch the first one, the second one, then watch this right after, and you have a great entire arc for all these characters. Like, there's a, there's a season two gag at the end, but I don't think they'll ever do season two with the way it ends. But, like, like she's, like Melina said, there's there's a great message at the end, and it's very heartfelt, and I loved it. Uh, I would have to give it eight out of ten improvs involving round objects. <laughs> that was cute. The one thing that I always appreciate about the Monsters, Inc. world is how beautifully designed it is and how imaginative. It's such a richly built world with so many great little details down to the hard hats, which all have different holes to accommodate the number of different heads and eyes that the monsters have. At one point, they go to a uh, baseball game, and there is a announcer named Bob Yucker. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that sounds like a really convincing Bob Yucker impersonation, which was a famous baseball sportscaster and a big fa favorite of my father's. And then I see the end credits, and I'm like, Oh shit, they really got Bob Euchre for this one gag to play Bob Yucker, the sports commentary guy. I appreciate all of those little details. I also appreciate knowing that Bob Euchre's still alive. Who the hell knew? I did it. That's one of those things that I realized that as an adult, I got that joke, whereas children wouldn't. My dad, who's no longer with us, he would have got that joke. And so... To Melina's point, yeah, there are some things in here for adults. I think Mike also brought that up. But by and large, this is for children. Every Pixar film or animated TV series is for children and the young at heart. But there's usually enough stuff in there that'll appeal to adults, too. This definitely feels like they skewed younger. They know your kids are fidgety. They just want some bright, pretty colors and some fast action and some silly gags. And they throw a few little things in here or there just for mom and dad to pick up on. 
I wanted more of that, but I also know that that's not who this show was made for. If you have children, I think you're going to have a great time just sitting down, watching these episodes with them. If you're a single man like myself who'd much rather just drink a beer and watch something else, then maybe it's not going to be as great an experience. But I do think if you like Pixar, if you like the originals Monsters, Inc., this is a fun continuation of that story. I just wish it was a little tighter and a lot smarter. It didn't need to be that, but they still did more than I expected them to do. And I give them credit for that. I'm going to have to give this 7 out of 10 drooler coolers. Because it's hot, and who wouldn't like a nice slimy drink to cool off with? I was a little concerned for the health of some of these people while watching this. I was like, oh my god, they're all going to get diabetes by the end of this. They're drinking so many soft drinks. They have monster diabetes. It's different. (laughs) That's right. Instead of losing limbs, you just grow more. Exactly. Oh, man. (laughs) Bad news, we're going to have to amputate your leg. Good news, five (laughs) others will sprout from it, maybe even a head if you're lucky. Welcome to Monsters General Hospital. That'll be the new spinoff. Imagine the puns. Monsters ER, that I would pay to see. Some corporate head just heard that, and (laughs) someone's going to be bringing that to the table next week. Well, sounds like you got a bad case of diabetes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. 